Okay, so I am so excited for this guest. So she is a local friend here in Utah, is a physical therapist and specializes in pelvic health, which is not a topic we discuss a lot, especially in terms of osteoarthritis. But diving into some of the research, urinary incontinence or leaking, like say not making it to the bathroom in time, leaking when you try to stand up, there are all sorts of things that can happen with urinary incontinence, but there are actually things you can do about it. It doesn't have to be one of those things that you approach and say, this is just going to happen because I'm getting older. You're listening to the Adventuring with Osteoarthritis podcast. Do you want to learn how to live an active life with osteoarthritis? Hear inspiring stories from others just like you and find out the best ways to naturally tackle joint pain. This podcast has you covered. There are so many possibilities that your healthcare provider may not be telling you about and surgery isn't always the answer. This podcast is not medical advice. Now, Here's your host, doctor of physical therapy and osteoarthritis specialist, Alyssa Kewen. So Betty is an expert in the area of pelvic health, and we are going to dive into first what urinary incontinence is, but then also what you can do to either prevent it or help it if you are currently experiencing it. So welcome, Betty. If you just want to give kind of a little snapshot of how you got here and how you got to specialize in pelvic health, and then we'll take it from there. Awesome. So like Alyssa said, I'm Dr. Betty DeLass and I specialize in pelvic health. I have been a PT for over 10 years and um, pelvic health is really the passion of um, what I do. Um, I got into it kind of when I had kids myself and I sneezed and I peased which means pee your pants. When you pee. <laughs> um, and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is not okay. I like, I can't, can't live like this. So I'm um, really dove into it there. Um, I have a practice called reborn pelvic health and wellness local to Salt Lake city, Utah, and, um, see a lot of, we specialize primarily in before, during and after pregnancy, but postpartum is forever. And even if you've never had a baby, you can still have incontinence, whether you're male or female or any other, um, gender identity there. And so it's good to know that like everyone has a pelvis and, um, incontinence can happen for lots of different reasons. Um, and so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is because it happened to me. And I don't think that people should have to just like deal with that or live with it. And so here I am. <laughs> Yes. No, I think that's super important. And I think maybe starting out with, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but if you can kind of just give a, maybe a brief synopsis of, it doesn't particularly have to be a specific age, but a person who maybe was experiencing urinary incontinence and how that did impact their life. But then also Mm -hmm. if they were able to kind of get on the other side of it and actually find some relief. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, all sorts of ranges, like the research out there on incontinence and and, um, incidence of incontinence and like aging um, definitely increases as we age, especially over the age of 65. It's like, I think it's in the 70s, high 70s percent of people have experienced incontinence. Um, And then it's like low 30s and like the 20s and 30s year olds. Um, So it's actually pretty high there. And I think those numbers honestly are underreported because people don't report well or they don't or they feel shameful or embarrassed by it. So they're like, oh, no, I mean, it just happened that one time. Right. Like, so those numbers are probably on the low spectrum. Um, And so it's a very, very big issue of quality of life and like 
um, all sorts of things through that. And so a lot of times with um, structured rehab programs with pelvic PT, pelvic OT, um, we can really help figure out the underlying root cause of why someone's leaking, whether it's, do they have a tight pelvic floor? Do they have a weak pelvic floor? Are they pressure managing inappropriately? Are they waiting too long to go to the bathroom? Are there other bladder irritants that are causing them to leak? Um, And all sorts of different things. So we want to understand why they're leaking and then address that root problem. And then they'll be able to safely and effectively make it to the bathroom on time or be able to sneeze and and not leak and pee their pants or get out of the chair and not pee their pants or um, jump on the trampoline and not have to worry about things like that. So, yeah. And I think that, especially when I was working in home care, um, seeing people that were probably in their like seventies, eighties, I mean, there were a lot of people who would stand up and then pee their pants or start leaking or, and it just became kind of this thing that a lot of people just typically brushed off like, Oh, that's just something I have to do or, you know, wear a pad everywhere. But really there can be, and a lot of the research is moving definitely towards more attention on pelvic health, which I think is important because a lot of times, I mean, there wasn't a lot out there and people just think these things are normal and they're not. And so if you're experiencing any sort of leaking, say maybe you can't make it to the bathroom because of joint pain, or Mm -hmm. maybe your legs just feel really heavy and stiff. And so you can't get there quick enough, or maybe you wait too long or this kind of just in case going just in case. And so I want to kind of delve into some of the potential causes first, or some of the things that can contribute to this urinary incontinence. And then we'll kind of talk about where to go for treatments. Certainly. So one thing, a big thing is, is just pressure management and breathing. So like, for instance, if you're going to go from sitting to standing, that's a very common thing all the time. Um, and I just want to add this one piece in is the oldest person that I've helped personally was 92. And she literally peed every time she stand up, stood out of a chair, she moved, she rolled out of bed, got out of bed, all that kind of stuff. Like that. She's like, I'm just leaking everywhere. And within a couple of sessions with her, like we didn't even do, we didn't do a single Kegel. I just want to say that no Kegels and um, just worked on her breathing mechanics and pressure management with that. And she was not leaking. She was like in tears because she was so happy. Um, and she was 92 and she's like, this That's is life changing awesome. at 92. So one of those big pieces is when you're getting out of a chair or rolling over in bed and all those things like that is to make sure that you're exhaling. So you probably teach this to in some of your exercise stuff too, of like, let's exhale on exertion. And so when you're going to stand up, really exhaling and going to pressure manage your system so that you're not bearing down or holding your breath and then causing the leaking to happen. So that's a one instant tip that can help a lot of people just breathing. Exhale. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. And then another time too, is like the just in case peeing or like urge where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom and I need to get there, but you don't quite make it there in time. Um, what you can do with that is know that there's going to be a peak of that urge and you just need to make it to that peak. So when you have that urge coming, making sure you take a couple deep breaths, try and calm your nervous system a little bit, and then potentially either do um, some quick calf raises or Kegels where you're contracting your pelvic floor. Because what happens there, there's a reflex between your bladder and your brain. So when your bladder goes, I have to pee and it squeezes, your pelvic floor turns off so that you can let urine out. However, if you do some calf raises or Kegels, you squeeze your pelvic floor, that signals to the brain to then signal to the bladder, oh, okay, I'll chill out. And then you don't have that strong urge. And then you can kind calmly and quietly walk to the bathroom and then urinate when you want to. The reason with the calf and the pelvic floor is the calf muscles are the tibial nerve and the pelvic floor is pudendal nerve and they come off the spinal cord at the same level. So we kind of play on a little bit of a reflex arc there and you can 
a little bit of a, a Kegel with the calf raise too. So I always tell people to do that together. Why not? Um, and then um, it can kind of calm that bladder down so that you can make it there in time. Interesting. And you had mentioned yep. a couple of bladder irritants. What are yeah. some of those? Yes. Great question. So, um, most common one that most people are pretty aware of are like, um, caffeine and coffee and alcohol and acidic things. Um, those can irritate the bladder. And so just knowing that if you're going to be having those things, having increased water intake, and then also not drinking enough water. And that's very, very common people who have to go to the bathroom a lot. They're like, Oh, I'm just not going to drink water. I'm just not going to drink water, but not drinking enough water is an irritant to the bladder and can make you have to go more frequently too. So it's kind of like, you got to look at the whole picture there of like, okay, if you're having coffee, maybe have an extra glass of water, or if you're having, you know, an acidic juice of some kind, add an extra glass of water in there and just making sure you're hydrated well. And, um, it's good to note too, like what's a good hydration or how much water should I drink? And the best answer to that, cause you'll see stuff all over the internet of eight glasses of water or this many ounces for body weight. And for me as a pelvic health provider. Great. It's a wonderful like tool to use, but really the best is for your own personal body to look at the toilet and see what color is your urine. And it should be a light pale yellow. If it's clear, you're overhydrated. If it's dark and it's smelly, you're underhydrated. And so you want that nice pale yellow, and then you're perfectly right where you should be. Okay. That's very interesting. I knew that about coffee and some caffeine, but also, I mean, being in that dehydrated state, because a lot of us could Mm -hmm. probably afford to drink a lot more water than we do. But I hear from a lot of people that they do kind of tend to relax the amount of water that they're drinking because that they're fearful of having to get up and go to the bathroom. And with that, I know that a lot of people do have to get up at in the middle of the night and especially with osteoarthritis, you're dealing with some stiffness, you're dealing with some pain and maybe can't move as well. And also it's dark and balance may be impaired. And so maybe what are a couple tips to kind of prevent or to maybe reduce the amount of getting up that needs to be done going to the bathroom? Totally. So if you're under the age of 65, normal is going to the bathroom one or less times per night. If you're over the age of 65, normal is two times or less per night. So if you're going three, four or five times, it's not normal regardless of the age. Um, And so those are things that we can train um, from a behavioral standpoint and really just kind of pushing the bladder a little bit. We usually train that during the day first and then implement it at night. So if you are always going at that first urge or you're going just in case, what you do is you shift your body's graph, so to speak, of like sense of like when your bladder is actually full, when it's not really, and you're getting the signal that it's full before it's even full. And then you're just acting on that signal and you've trained and conditioned your body to respond to that. And so you just go and you go and you go. And so what we do is we slowly train that to go a little bit further, a little bit further. And a good technique for that is just simply distraction. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, Oh, I can't get back to sleep. So like go to the bathroom. Um, do you really have to go to the bathroom is the first question. And then when you go, how long is your stream? If your stream is taking eight seconds or longer to, to urinate, then you probably actually really did have to go. If it's, you know, three seconds, you probably really didn't. And it's more your bladders in control of your body versus your body in control of your bladder. And so we would retrain that to just think, okay, let me roll over, distract myself, make a grocery list, count sheep, whatever that means, and then um, go back to sleep. So you can, it's a totally trainable thing too, which is nice to know. Interesting. And so essentially 
not every urge means you actually have to use the bathroom. Correct. And I think that that's a important thing because, yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of times, I mean, especially if you're going very frequently, just playing to those urges all the time. And the same thing with like, if you compared it to like hunger or something, just yeah. because you feel like a pain of hunger, it doesn't always yeah. mean, I mean, you could be thirsty, you could be all bored. Um, yeah. I think that that's really important because acting on those urges then can help to, or then can make people reduce their intake of water, even reduce their movement. Like if they're not going to the bathroom as much. Um, so I think that that's really important. And if somebody is dealing with urinary incontinence, what is kind of one thing you would say to them as far as maybe getting started or finding a way to reduce it? Yeah. So I think first, first off is just awareness and recognition that either it's happening and say like, yeah, this is an issue and I need to do something about it. And then just kind of taking an inventory, kind of like you take a food diary, you could do a bladder diary of like, how often am I going to the bathroom? How strong was my urge? How long was my urine stream in seconds? And then did I leak at all? And what was I doing when I was leaking? And just really making a log of that. And how much are you drinking during the day? What are you drinking? How many ounces? That's be something that we would start in the clinic just to assess. And so you could already start that now. Like, okay, what, what's happening here? And if you're noticing, oh, my streams are, you know, three seconds four seconds. And there's not really long. It's like, Oh, maybe I didn't really have to go. Maybe next time I'll just distract myself or I'll go do some calf raises or I'll go make a grocery list and then see if I can retrain myself a little bit to space those voiding intervals out. Um, normal voiding time is between four or two to four hours. Um, so if you're going every hour, every half hour is way too frequently. And that's not, not normal for sure. Um, so those are just things to know, like in general, like, Oh, what's normal. And am I anywhere close to normal? And, or if, is it just leaking when you're coughing, sneezing, standing, um, which is a little bit different of an incontinence, more of a stress incontinence, we call that versus the urge incontinence where it's like, I got to go now and you're leaking. Um, and you can have a mix of both too. Like those are the three types of incontinence there are from a urinary perspective and as well as we don't have to get into the, the, the bowel stuff too, but there is, there is bowel incontinence too, but (laughs) yes. And so I think that the important points, well, actually let's step back for a second, as far as like when you're starting to kind of, or trying to reduce the urges, how long, and I know that this probably depends, but on average, how long do you have to kind of consciously think about it before you notice like those urges start to reduce and your body starts to become like less trained in that? Yeah. Some people, it's just even hearing this information and they're like, Oh, and then it's like instantaneously and they they can overcome it. Some people, it takes a little bit of training, like maybe a week or two or three. It just really depends on the person, um, of like how ingrained is this pattern and, how adaptable is their body and what other factors and comorbidities are associated with that too. Cause sometimes there's also bigger underlying pelvic floor dysfunction that's going on that we need to address as well in conjunction with wh- why they're leaking. Um, so if it's as simple as like, it's just some retraining, like that could literally happen in a day or two, but if there's some underlying things, it, it would take a little bit longer. Okay. So it's essentially kind of looking at your voiding patterns and just kind Mm -hmm. of see, just being aware. I mean, with a lot of things, just simply being aware can be a really eye-opening experience, but then also looking at those urges, focusing on breathing as far as if you do notice that kind of stress incontinence Mm -hmm. and even just those couple of things and being aware of maybe the bladder irritants, I think can start to make a big difference. And so if somebody is maybe trying a couple of these things and maybe isn't having luck or just would like some help, 
First, maybe if you could just touch briefly on how you can find someone to help you in your area, but then also if you want to tell us where to find you as well. Certainly. So there's two websites that I always refer people to. It's www.pelvicrehab.com. And then you can just type in your zip code and a bunch of pelvic health therapists will pop up um, and you can kind of search whoever you want there. And then the other one is www.pelvicguru.com. And both websites are are great. And I would look at both of them and just kind of pick the people who are around there, read their bios. Um, Oftentimes, a lot of us will do free 15 minute phone consultations with you to see like, what is your story? Yep. Can we help you? How will we help you just so you can feel comfortable in making your decision? Um, And then um, me personally, locally, I'm in Salt Lake City, actually in West Jordan. And we um, are open here and so you can find me on our on our website uh www.rebornphw.com and i'm sure Alyssa will probably put that in the show okay, notes so and all, all those links that you just mentioned yeah. down below yeah. in youtube or on youtube yeah. and on the podcast so that yep. you can kind of check that out and i think yep. that's important because a lot of people don't really know that this exists like pelvic totally. health is definitely something that's up and coming and definitely yeah. more uh, people are aware of it now, yeah. but definitely if you're having problems in that area, even if it's leaking or pain, a pelvic health physical therapist can be so, so crucial to your quality of life. Cause that can really mm-hmm. impact how you move, how you exercise, and even just how you live your life. Cause I've met a lot of people who don't go somewhere because they're worried about leaking or they're worried about things like that. And so I will put all of Betty's links down below. And I want to say thank you so much for joining us. I hope that this was helpful. If you are listening and maybe are dealing with some urinary incontinence, taking a look at a couple of those things that we talked about could definitely make a big change in your joint pain and just in your quality of life in general. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. It was great having, having me on here. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Adventuring with Osteoarthritis podcast. If this podcast has brought you hope and inspiration, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Also, if you're looking for more information on how to start your own arthritis adventure, head to www.keeptheadventurealive.com or follow me on YouTube by searching Alyssa Arthritis Adventure. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A arthritis adventure. We'll see you next time.